Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Damned United podcast. I'm Bill Lumsden. And I'm Adam Jameson. And Leeds United are on quite the run at the moment. Eight wins from eight. Another one at the weekend. 2-0 at Plymouth. And you know, unlike the number 36 ads, Tom Lees, Robbie Gotts, Malik Wilkes, Richard Naylor, Matthew Kilgallen, Mark Wilberforce, Jonathan Lund, David Martin. Leeds are actually on a stonking bit of form at the minute. The worst thing is that I don't even know some of those players you just mentioned. Mark Wilberforce seems like a, a Leeds United signing from Star Wars or something like that. <laughs> Wilberforce, be with you. <laughs> yeah. Wilberforce is with Leeds United at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Do you want to start with the wonderful 2-0 victory at Plymouth? It was it was slight and I say wonderful. I think the the main thing was getting over the line. Eight wins from eight, as as I've already mentioned, but the pleasing aspect of that was very similar to that Norwich game not long ago. One nil, same same period, half time came and gone. Plymouth came out of the traps very much like, like Norwich did. I think if anything they probably looked more threatening than um than Norwich in terms of going forward, but again, chances created and you know I think there was a couple of balls that were nervy that were flashed across goal. But other than that, nothing that troubled Ilan Melier too much. And I think that'll be, again, one of the most pleasing aspects is even though we were under under the cosh a fair bit, Plymouth with the tails up in front of the home crowd, we never really looked again like conceding. And, and that's a real, real strong sign at this point of the season. Absolutely. And like you say, it was... It was not the most glamorous performances, and I think we've we've put in better matchday performances on in previous weeks. But to go down there, a place where Plymouth have been pretty decent at home all season, and to to not really have to get out a second or third gear and just show a couple of moments of quality uh, in order to get the three points, I think is a is a real positive and a a big plus for us. And like you say, but I think I think that. In the second half, they were always going to come out and, and, and give us a bit of a uh, give the game a bit of a go and, and, and try and get back in it. And you know, there was a few moments where they had a couple of opportunities, but nothing that was kind of too terrifying. And yeah, we just weathered the storm again. And again, Rutter shows that that piece of of quality that I think was the the big difference between the two teams on the day. And that. It was a pretty even game, but in those moments where you need it, we were able to to show our class and quality and um, produce those moments for the goals. So, yeah, another big plus. Can't remember what losing's like, to be honest. <laughs> Let's not jinx ourselves there. <laughs> You're right, though. Some some run that we're, that we're on at the minute, and Plymouth, I don't think, had been beaten at home in the league, I want to say, since October. So, you know, a long period of time without getting beat there and I think it was seven or eight unbeaten in the league at home so a decent run and certainly not a, an easy place to go to whatsoever so to come away from that with again another clean sheet seven and eight and another win eight and eight is is, is pretty good and, and bodes well for us going into this Leicester clash on on Friday which is a massive six-pointer we will we'll mention the Foxes later on but 
Yeah, Rutter I wanted to, to mention first and foremost because he did come away with the Sky Sports player of the match and some pretty rave re- reviews. But I think maybe um, there was a bit undeserved, I'd probably say. I think, you know, he showed his, his quality at times, as he as he usually does, but I certainly didn't think he was uh, up to his usual standards in terms of his retention of the ball, um, how many times he lost the ball, his tracking. I felt like there were better players out there on the pitch. And I know, obviously, the stat pad of, you know, he, he put one through the keeper's legs, which, you know, a decent finish, but saved on another day and then punted a ball upfield, which Nonto managed to manage to pluck out of the air for the first, was uh, was where the assist came from. And, you know, sometimes stats don't actually speak for the overall performances, um, certainly on that on that pitch and I think there were better players Nonto being one of them I think as good as he was going forward for us and he, he does look back to his best I think his defensive work was really pleasing from my perspective on on Saturday he got back and helped Gray on, on three or four occasions I think I counted in like decent prominent attacking positions for Plymouth certainly when Plymouth were attacking the away end in the first half his tracking was was pretty nice and he made some pretty pivotal tackles at times as well which you won't always associate with Nonto uh, so I think probably robbed of the player of the match I think you know again had my grievances with him for obvious reasons but he certainly seems like he's turned a corner with his performance levels and certainly his ability and his work ethic going going backwards as well as forwards was was a really pleasing aspect of his game for me. Yeah firstly on, on Rutter yeah, it could have the man of match could have been given to Nonto quite easily, um, and and probably rightfully so. I think you point out that Rutter's arguably had more standout performances in a league shirt, but I think he was just doing what he does really. Um, he actually makes the defender as well, not just the goalkeeper. So it was, it was a double man. It was a double man. So sweet. <laughs> yeah, so sweet. <laughs> double magnets. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, of course it was it. If people saying it's a brilliant ball, it was a bit of a pump forward for the assist for Nonto, but um, nonetheless, it, it's an assist and it, it goes on the it goes on the assist chart. But yeah, I'd have to agree that Nonto, for me, I think I think more a culmination of his his recent performances in the last five or six weeks uh, probably warranted um, man of the match because I think he, he really has turned the corner and. All that speculation at the start of the season seems a distant memory now, and we've been saying it all all throughout the season. We we felt that at some point he would click, and and when he does click, um, we'll have a really dangerous player on our hands. And and we mentioned it last week. We've got such an issue now with how we get all our players in in the starting eleven with the form that Dan James has been in, and you can't really, you know, as long as Nonzo keeps scoring and and being involved in the goals, you you can't really not start him at the moment so it's um it's a good dilemma to have um but yeah I thought you mentioned about his tracking back as well on on Saturday I thought he was a, a, a robust performance as I thought you know we had to dig in deep at times and especially with the conditions as well it wasn't I didn't think it was too dissimilar from the the FA Cup performance um yeah. in that we went one nil up and in the FA Cup, they managed to get that equaliser, but maybe that experience of the cup game, we knew that we had to dig in and stay strong and uh, keep tracking back uh, and, and keep doing that defensive work uh, in order to see the game out. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right there. And 
it is a pretty phenomenal defensive run that we're on. You know, Firpo, Gray, Rodon, Ampadu and, and Melier. Seven clean sheets from eight. Only one goal conceded in, I think, well over 12 and a half hours of football. It's a testament to how far we've come. And, you know, there were there were a lot of people saying all across X that they're, they're missing strike and does strike come back in. But, you know, I think that, that question kind of answers itself in a sense, doesn't it? You know, I don't yeah. think there's any any way in which strike can come back into this side, um, or kind of, you know, comes in place of of Ampadu, which is probably the player that you would take out if that was to occur. So, I don't think you can be uh, chopping and changing that too too much, especially when you've got a defence that's as tight as ours at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And with with the January transfer window, we were, I think, as a fan base, pretty um, pretty agreed on the fact that we we felt we needed some more defensive options and, and, and probably I think I'll, we'd probably speak for most fans in the, at the end of the transfer window we'd still liked another another defensive player possibly a left back to come through the door and I think the form we've been in particularly defensively on the conceding one in, in eight it, it kind of proves that maybe that, that decision in the transfer window was was warranted and we, we did need to back Furpo uh, and trust in, in Archie Gray and obviously Connor Roberts coming in and, and, and trusting what we've got basically rather than make a knee-jerk decision in, in the January transfer window trying to bring in a defensive player last minute or anything like that and I think it um, I think it but yeah I think it, it it probably proves that that was that was the right decision and the right train of thought in the January transfer window yeah I'm going to I'm not going to switch gears actually because first I want to give a mention to Melier and I believe that he was um, using some housery on you when uh, he put on his Instagram post so for those that didn't see it or aren't across Instagram he put on a post of him taking the ball out out of the air where's the main photo and I remember and the first thing I thought when I was watching the game on, on Saturday was that's brilliant and I'm going to use that uh, as a nice bit of bait on Monday when we come to record this because I was like that was exactly what we've been crying out for for the past season and however long he's been doing he's not been doing that and using you know certainly like in much worse situations than that I think that's the right expression he's been punching that kind of ball and you wouldn't any normal keeper would have probably punched that away whereas you know the four or five players around him and he's completely swept it out of the air um and you know exactly what you want from your keeper certainly when your backs are against the wall take that out of the air get down to the floor and uh, you know eat up those six seconds or six days we like to call them because the refs are never on it so that was pretty perfect for us in terms of taking some of the pressure off off the defence and, and the team in that case and something that we haven't seen enough of from Melia uh, certainly across the season or in his time with us would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And it was funny because I was watching the game with my old man and um, I'd just been moaning about Melier and uh, not catching crosses. And I think I was literally just in the just in the middle of saying, oh, he's going to punch this and then he caught it. So uh, it made me look like an idiot. But um, Melier, you know, he's having, a, he's having a good season. He's having a good season, but I don't think... You know, he's not keeping us in games at the moment. I think our defence is playing that well that he's not having to do much, really. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a case of we've got this fantastic uh, defensive record 
because Melier is pulling off worldy saves, keeping us in games and 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 really winning his points. I think he's doing what he should be doing. Um but I think it's a testament to to the defensive back four that that you know it's, it's it's them I think this is down to and we're playing so well as a, not you know not just the defensive back four but as a structure uh, we're limiting teams so much and, and we're we're really starving out opposition uh, attackers yeah. and, and strikers to the to the point that they're not you know the teams are not really creating much against us there's nothing much for Melier to do so yeah I think Melier needs to you know keep on doing what he's doing but um, I'd be hesitant to to give him too much praise for this uh, current current run we're on. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you for the record. Like you look at the XG that we've faced over the past few games, I can't pull it up right now. But what what I will do is uh, pull up the stats from Saturday's fixture. So Plymouth well, whilst whilst you do that, me me and my dad were having a discussion. We were saying, you know, is has Melia from from the the point we first saw him in that it was an FA Cup game away at Arsenal, wasn't it? Uh, a good few years ago now, and we were discussing whether we think that he's developed as much as what he potentially could have done in his kind of four four or so years that he's been the first choice keeper. And and I came to the conclusion, we came to the conclusion that the answer to that is probably no, because I feel especially in the first couple of seasons we had Melia, I thought if he'd have said that we'd still have him at this point in time, I'd, I'd have been quite surprised by that. I'd have thought he would have, he'd have been a player who'd have really struggled to keep hold of and he'd have probably gone on to, to play at a higher level, but that's not happened and he's having a good season this year. But for, for me, I, I don't know, I, I still feel, I still feel there's, there's more to come from him as a goalkeeper and, and whether he's, whether that should have happened so far or whether it's still to come. You know, he's still young for a goalkeeper. So Yeah, I think that's the... That still can still can happen. I think that's the most important point you said there as well. And, you know, while we've been critical of him in the past, I think it's worth noting again with like a lot of our players that they are still quite young. You know, I think there's a lot more hes- uh, not hes- uh, expectancy on players now to perform at their peak or certainly uh, a much significant... Much significantly greater um, level when they're at a young age than ever before because of like the fitness levels, the way the modern games developed. When I don't necessarily think that is always the case, I think you know there's still plenty of proof in the pudding that you know players do develop, they learn new new trades as they as they grow grow into the game and and they get older naturally you know like anything in life really as you play more and you gain more experience you become a better player and I still think there's a level of that with Melier and let's not you know make any mistakes as well he's still incredibly young and he's got so much experience he's played over 100 games for us already a lot of those in in the top flight you know he's had a lot of good performances but he's also weathered those spells of you know criticism and uh, you know periods of time in his life where he's been criticised and things haven't been going away like even with his red card this year you know he took a lot of stick there and he's come back from it and you know while as you say and point rightfully pointed out he's not facing many shots but he's still part of a team that is one of the well probably the best team in the league at the minute alongside with Southampton and he's performing you know he's doing what he needs to be doing so again I think he's learning a lot from the spells and the periods in which he does bad but he's also gaining a lot from 
these current um, runs of form, should I say as well? So, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably agree with you though in in terms of you know would I still have expected him to be here? Probably not. But again, similar to where Nonto burst burst on the scene, Mika Richards esque last year, <laughs> he kind of did that in a period and then almost tailored off. So there was still a bit of a bit of noise around him potentially moving on and then obviously all around like the release clauses and whether he wanted out and this, that and the other. But I felt like had he have maintained his levels that we saw from him when he first started playing, I think it would have been much harder to keep hold of him. And I think Melier was a similar time in terms of he was getting a lot of criticism towards the back end of the season and at certain points when perhaps the summer and the January transfer window could have probably hindered a move for him. Not that he would have gone or would have wanted to have gone, but I think there's an element of that that's played into it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. And we got to take everything we see in the pinch of salt. We're unbeaten in eight we've conceded one goal in eight games and here we are sat moaning about the keeper <laughs> exactly yeah seven clean sheets never mind eh? <laughs> never mind we spent too spent too long people falling asleep by now <laughs> so, <laughs> one thing I did want to ask was in all of this you know we've seen because you know we I think we got the, the Southampton narrative pretty much nailed on and it's, this isn't a a, a pitch to uh, listen more to the Damned United podcast, believe me. But we've had our fair share of decent calls this year, I think it's fair to say. Southampton won being, you know, again, they're on a great run of form. It's not going to last. You know, everyone could have said that. But even when we were 10 points behind Ipswich, we also mentioned the fact that it's a long season. There's still plenty of time to go. And, you know, the two tables compared with each other are brilliant. Before we went on our eight-game winning run to where we are now. And, you know, it speaks volumes of just how quickly this league can change. You know, Southampton and Ipswich haven't hit horrendous runs of form, Ipswich potentially more so than Southampton. But, you know, it just goes to show that it's a weird old league. Teams beat each other all the time and you can drop points against absolutely anyone in the league as well. So, you know, while it was a case, I think it was 18, 19 games still to go, there was always going to be opportunities for us to steal a march on on teams in and around us. So that was the call to almost watch out, keep an eye on us, don't get your hopes too down on kind of where we are and where we're going to finish and just almost take it game by game, which fortunately for a a few of us, we have done and we're in a really prominent position now where we're challenging for that top two. Um, But out of that, we've also got, you know, fair to say, a team full of re-emerging players and I think we'll put this across a poll but I'll ask you and put you on the spot at this moment in time the four I can think of off the top of my head would be Bamford Firpo Dan James and Willie Nonto which one of those four do you think has been most important or played the more significant part in the season as a whole this season? Is this the, the Legion Eyes Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, we can call it that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think it just if you just look at the numbers and the stats, it, it has to be Dan James, doesn't it, for me? Um, we all, the, obviously the story and the, the, the backdrop with Dan James and how he should have ended up here and didn't and then did end up here and 
going out on loan. I mean, why, why, why did we send him out on loan to Fulham last year? That's that's a weird one. Um, maybe, maybe Jesse Marshall uh, <laughs> shed some light on that on Monday Night Football tonight, um, which I'm sure will be a, a, an interesting viewing for, for all football fans um, who will probably realise that uh, they're almost as knowledgeable about football <laughs> as the <laughs> Microsoft. So, um, but no, speaking more on Dan James, yeah, it, it has to be. You look at his numbers um, this season, creating goals, scoring goals. He really has flicked that switch this year um, and, and really started contributing to to our uh, attacking outputs a lot more. And I think we, we all saw in that season under, well, that half season under Bielsa and um, in, in the season we stayed up, in the second season of the Premier League, we all saw that there's a there's a player there in Dan James who's playing out of position a lot, and he just couldn't seem to get it right when it mattered in terms of finishing chances. But uh, this season, you know, he's, he's obviously worked on that, and whether the new manager coming in must have, has obviously had an impact on that, and and, and tweaked his game and, and playing him in his more natural wide position, I think has really benefited him. But yeah, he's really, really flicked the switch this year and um, has has been able to contribute to us a lot more. And I think, I think he represents this season exactly what we wanted to buy in that first uh, Bielsa season when we when we didn't quite land him in January. This is exactly the player that that we were looking to sign, and I think um, I think he's been brilliant and and fair play to him because I think out of all the players that came back last last summer I think Dan James is one that if he'd have turned around and gone do you know what I don't fancy this no one could have said anything because we just shipped him out on loan for a year because we decided to make a a last minute signing in the previous summer summer transfer window so if if anyone would have left this season and Dan James had been one of them you'd have just have to hold your hands up and say yeah it's, it's not worked fair enough you move on but he's come back in got his head down and I think I think he's brilliant. I think he's been one of the best player in, players in the league, which to say that he can't get back in the starting lineup at the moment speaks volumes about the quality of the team at the moment. Yeah, it really does. And just on the back of that, Dan James, 10 goals, six assists this season. So putting up some really good numbers, as I'd mentioned there. And yeah, I think this is a really interesting one because I think it depends kind of where they've been before how much they've been criticised and where they now are and what importance they give to that team. And again, as you say, a testament to how well we're doing at the minute that he's struggling to get back in. The two I would mainly focus on would probably be uh, Bamford and Furpo. I think I'm edging towards Bamford, so I'm not really sure what my final answer is here. But you better be. <laughs> no, to be fair, I've, I've died on that hill this year, to be honest. So, um, I just think yeah, again, you relay his numbers to Dan James. Obviously, he's not played the full season, Bamford, and I don't think you can, you know, expect the numbers to to pitch up against him. But I think, you know, as as we've mentioned, and I think hopefully you're all aware of how much he brings to the team, other than just goals and assists. Goals obviously being the main aspect of of what he's there to do. I think it was evident at, at the time as well. There was a point when a few times where Perot lost the ball almost an hour and a half when we were trying to clear our lines and I was almost, well, I was thinking in my head, you know, put it out for a throw on a couple of occasions. I was like, if that's Bamford there, 
he's just literally popping it off much stronger and laying it off to someone and then he's getting on his bike or alternatively he's recycling the ball more important that we're keeping the ball we can look at switching play or just just relaxing it and we're not then losing the ball and being put under more pressure and there was a couple of times you know Perot again you've touched on it a few times throughout the season if you want someone on the end of the ball it's him I, I, I do agree with that but I just think in terms of the all-around game I think Bamford is streets ahead of Perot. If Perot wants to kind of improve and be at top level, I say a Premier League player, if he wants to be an established Premier League player, I think he's got to find an element of that to his game because there's only so much you can do by being a being a, being a, a finisher inside the box. So, yeah, there was times when I thought Bamford would have been perfect for us in that game. And, you know, I wouldn't go as far as saying we missed him, but... You know, we got over the line in the end, but certainly against those bigger teams where we're going to face a bit more pressure, I think it'll be great to have him back in the side. So hopefully he misses Leicester and he might be back for, you know, whether it's Chelsea, whether they risk him against Chelsea or whether he comes back in for the, the Huddersfield game. I think it'll be nice to have him back for that because, again, similar to what we were saying about Nonto not pulling up any trees before he went and just did put planted loads of new trees. He... Um, you know, I don't think Perot has, has done an awful lot. You know, he's scored at Swansea, um, but I don't think he's done a massive amount to, to retain his place, should I say. And, you know, Bamford's faced a lot of criticism, but he's come back in. He's given that all-around element to, to it. And then he's also scored, I think it was five in seven starts when he'd been playing uh, since his return. So, yeah, I think the goals are great but it's also his all-round game that's that's been massive for us in terms of contributing to a really strong side already. So, yeah, I, I'd probably have to say him and Firpo probably a close second for me. You know, I think yeah. he completely written off. Again, you know, Dan James, you say, I don't think many had been surprised if he'd have cleared off, but again, everyone was almost ushering Firpo out of the door. And when you consider the the transfer that we were after not only in the summer but then January I think people were still wanting a left back in January which you know is probably fair enough and you you, you wouldn't turn your nose up at it if we were to, to get a left back in and again it goes to show how uh, how quickly things can change in the course of a year because yeah I think we, we answered one of Cam's messages around you know how often do you come out of the game talking about Firpo and, and to be honest there's been probably a couple of games where you probably have, but very under, understated, just does the, the good things, does the basic things really well, defends. And again, his contribution going forward has been brilliant. And I think five, six assists since the turn of the year. So brilliantly going forward. And, you know, he's, he's not been too bad defensively as well. So I think his re-emergence has almost been as important as, as Bamford and, uh, and James, to be honest. Yeah. And, I agree with all your points about Bamford. He, 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 I think when he's in the team leading the line, he lead the he leads the line, doesn't he? I don't think we get that from from Perot. I don't think he leads the line. I don't think he um, links the play up as well. And we look we look a lot more balanced team with with Bamford up front. I think, and it, it makes me cast my mind back to when Bamford was playing really well and scoring in the Premier League during the first season. And um, I'm not saying I am comparing him to Bobby Firmino, but I did make comparisons to, to uh, Bobby Firmino because I think, I think he's a similar, a similar type of striker in that he'll drop deep, he'll link up play. And yeah, he might not score all the goals that he probably should score. Um, and he's not going to finish um, the season being top of the, the goal scorer chart. 
but his overall contribution to the team, the way that they can hold the ball up, uh, link players in, start counter-attacks, I think he's similar to Bobby Firmino or how Bobby Firmino was for Liverpool. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not making that as a direct comparison. That's, but, the, um, that's the clickbait on Twitter, is that? That's the clickbait. That's the clickbait. Who would you rather have on your side? Firmino or Bamford? <laughs> <laughs> so, but what, what I'm trying to say is that it, 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 he's got shades of that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the way he's rolling the team, I, I feel is is similar. So, yeah, he's been brilliant that he's he's kind of got back in the side. And I agree. I think once he's back fit, if he is <laughs> fit, then for me, yeah, he'd have to start again. Pura, he's 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 a finisher. He's a goal scorer. He's a poacher, and I think he'll he'll score goals all day long. I think it's just his, like you say, his overall contribution to the team, I feel he's not as much as Bamford. And, and you're probably right. I think he, if he wants to play in the Premier League, then you know he does need to add that uh, an extra element to his game because you look at all the Premier League strikers that, um, you know, the, the, the Premier League is so fast-paced and the most teams rely on... Um, attacking as a unit and defending as a unit you can't just have one player that's in the team just to stick the ball in the back of it they need to contribute to lots of different aspects to the game so yeah it's uh, it's an interesting one but who's to say he can't add that to his game and then um, bang 20 in next season when we're up there oh again this time this time in front of fans both Perot and Bamford back at it interchanging goals everywhere yeah. Bamford uh, <laughs> Bamford can teach him how to hold the ball up and Perot can teach Bamford how to score goals. Perfect. <laughs> um, cool. Speaking of goals, we have a blockbuster at Ellen Road on Friday night football. Leicester come to town off the back of a defeat to Borough at the weekend. And the last time they lost to Borough earlier on this season and the game afterwards, <laughs> Leeds United. So hopefully Borough won't be the only side doing the double over Leicester this year. Hopefully it will be us as well. But perfect time to play them because there's pressure on them. And it's a huge six-pointer. And six-pointer in more ways than one. Because if we do manage to get three points over Leicester, then it will reduce the gap at the top of the table to six points. Which, again, pretty remarkable to think that they're not even been in a bad run of form. And somehow we are only hopefully six points behind them come the end of the weekend so where do you want to start because it's getting a bit tight now isn't it it's getting a bit nervy Southampton Ipswich went through a blip started winning games again and if if we end up winning it could end up becoming a four horse race it it just it would beg the question wouldn't it if we win it, it, it pops the question into the mix because Pretty much all season long, we've said Leicester will go up. There's, there's no doubt about it. They're going to win the league. It's, it's not really... Even when Ipswich were close to them, we all kind of felt that Ipswich wouldn't um, stay with them at the, at the, in the top two. So it, it is interesting. And it, it does... It just it just leaves the door open. It just leaves the door open. Um, so, yeah, it, it be. I think it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Biggest game of the season really so far, um, and and you got to say one of one of the biggest games in Championship history. Um, yeah. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. This is uh, two of the best sides that the league has, has ever seen, and they're going head to head in in a top of the table clash. 
under the floodlights at Ellen Road. So it's 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 a brilliant occasion. I can't wait. Well, you, you should be selling that outside the ground. You'll get a few tickets doing that. <laughs> I don't think there'll be any tickets left. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Big sellout under the lights. Friday night. What we love to see. Yeah. They're, they're a good side and I think we're, we're actually going at the game's favourites which again probably a testament to the game being at home rocker selling road but also the, the eight wins in a row that we've accrued over the over the last couple of months so yeah I'm not sure about the favourites but I'm happy to be in the position that we're in again they're going to be under tremendous pressure coming into the game few players to watch as we know we did this earlier on in the season but I can, they kind of speak for themselves don't they Ads, Dewsbury Hall 10 goals 12 assists this season Mav Davidi 10 goals 4 assists Vardy 10 goals Daka 7 there's you know a lot of players for Leicester very similar to us that you know they're scoring a lot but there's a lot of players that are contributing towards them as well yeah you, you look at their starting lineup and it's so difficult to find a fault in it um you know, it's really the, the the gap between the Premier League and the Championship has been highlighted this year. And I don't know whether it's just that last season, some teams that stayed up that, that possibly in another year wouldn't. I, I don't know, but it, it just feels like the gap is, is so big between the Championship and, and the Premier League. And, and really, you look at that side and you look at our team, you look at Southampton and you do, you do question, you say, well, would they have given it a better shot in the Premier League than... Than maybe Sheffield United and, and Burnley have this season. Yeah. So, you know, the, these are a lot of these players are not going to be playing the Championship um, much in the next kind of few years of their career. So, you think about it like that, you know, you've got a, a kind of Premier League ready side and, and lots of different, lots of, lots of quality across the whole lineup. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a cracker and it's difficult to find a a weakness really in, in, in their side to be honest yeah I think it's difficult to find a weakness and I think it's difficult to find or understand how the game's going to play out as well you know there's been many teams that have come to Ellen Road and sat back we didn't see an awful lot of the ball when we played Leicester away from home obviously came out one no winners probably deserved it don't get me wrong but they yeah. were they were they were threatening all game and you know I think it was Mavdadidi and Fatawu on both wings that played that day and I think it was I can't remember who was playing left back. It might have, it might, I think it was Byram actually. Mav, Mav Davidi was up against Byram, and I think Byram's still having nightmares about him now because uh, yeah, he was pretty phenomenal, the right winger on on that evening. And um, I think he had that shot that hit the bar as well from from miles out wide. Um, trying another day could have gone in, but I think you know that you're looking at them too as your danger man alongside Dewsbury Hall. But we're going back to to what I'd started with. Do you see a similar game? Do you see, you know, we're obviously at home and I think in the form that we're in, you know, we'll play very similarly. I don't think we'll sit back, but can you see there being a lot of goals or do you see both teams almost cancelling each other out so that it might be a 1-0 either way? Yeah, I think I'd probably expect an almost similar game to, to earlier on in the season because I think they, I think they'll be more bothered about controlling possession than we will be um, I think if we don't have more possession than the team I don't I don't think we're a massively obviously in most games we've had more possession than the opposition but I think it's more for us it's more about what we do when we do have possession I don't think our emphasis is on controlling the ball at all times we do when we want to but I think it's more about what we do when we 
when we are in possession. So um, I think the game will be decided on who takes the chances and, and who can show composure in those moments and, and demonstrate that quality. So, yeah, I, I'd expect a similar game, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do, whether they, because I, I don't think it's really in their DNA to come and, and, and try and, you know, prevent us from playing. I think they will just come and play the game um, and, and hope that it pans out for them, which yeah. I think for us, I think will will give us opportunities. I think that there will be opportunities to hurt them. So, I think it's going to be a really interesting time. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think it's it's a difficult one to be to be perfectly honest. They obviously come to us. They've got a home tie against QPR afterwards, but their three games after that are Sunderland away. We'll have a new manager because obviously Michael Beale's been relieved of his duties after about two weeks. <laughs> they then go to Hull again, a side play uh, chasing the playoffs. Southampton at home follow that, which is a massive crunch tie for both of them, but also for us. Bristol City follow, of course, obviously beating Southampton at, at home. And then Norwich, who are also actually in the playoff spots at the minute. So, you know, if we can get over the line and reduce the gap to six points, they then play QPR, but the five games after that are a pretty tough set of fixtures for any team, even this Leicester team. So, you know, you say that they're not going to come, and it's, I, I completely agree, it's not in their DNA to sit back, but is it in their DNA, or potentially will it be in the back of their minds that, yeah, whatever we do, we really can't afford to be losing this game, you know, even if we come out of it with a point? Yeah, I, I think that there is that argument, but I think Koreska and these, these new these new philosophy-based managers, I, I don't think, I think they just play how they set up to play. I don't, it's it's almost, I think you've got to, I view it as almost counterintuitive that sometimes you do have to adapt your game based on who you're playing and where you're going. But I don't think these managers, I don't think they do. I, I think they just, they, they set up as they are. This is who we are as a team. This is our philosophy. This is our identity. This is how we'll play. This is going to work. Or it's not, and I think yeah. that's how we. I think that's how we're going to set up. And we can certainly back for that, can't we? In the past, we've yeah, had a, yeah, yeah. a good manager in particular who uh, was uh, was a fitting example of that. Yeah, um, and and don't get me wrong, it's it was fantastic, but yeah, the, I think there has to be an argument sometimes. Like if you're the Leicester manager coming to Ellen on Friday night, can can you come and set up a bit differently and 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 try and come away with the point because if you offer that now as you mentioned with those that run of fixtures they've got coming up if they lose on Friday night they, there's potential that they'll get real back in so it's um, yeah I think it's a, a really exciting game so it, it does I, I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on them basically um, yeah. I think it's going to be a question of whether they can handle the occasion whether they can handle the atmosphere and hopefully they can, and uh, we can be all over them like a rash, a bit like what we did to Ipswich earlier on in the season. Yeah, well, that would be nice. Or uh, like West Brom the other year, Pablo Hernandez, 17 seconds. There you go. See you later. Yeah, we'll just see. I've been saying it all season, Rutter is going to score a screamer at some point. He is going to score a screamer at some point. So <laughs> if you want to just do it on Friday night. That would be perfect. After 30 seconds and just settle the nerves, then, you know, go ahead and do it. 
yeah, that would be pretty nice indeed. I, I do think we will, we will win. But is it fair to say, as if we do win, then we're basically on a 12-game winning run because after that we do have Huddersfield away, Stoke at home, and Sheffield Wednesday away. <laughs> you look at those fixtures, and, and don't get me wrong, obviously with Chelsea in between that. They uh, they do come thick and fast, and we know this league is uh, a bit tortuous for how quickly the games come and how that can un- un- make you come unstuck sometimes. But February is a fine example of us getting through it, and pretty much with perfect conditions and a replay thrown in there for good measure as well. So, fingers crossed, we can uh, maintain the run that we've been on, beat Leicester, and uh, hopefully extend that winning run to nine games. Cloud nine, we might be on. Well, that that'll be uh, the, the the name of next week's episode. hundred percent, hundred percent. If we if we win it, but um, yeah, it's. I think that we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing, and and if we do that, we're, we're going to give ourselves a really good chance of of winning on Friday night. So, yeah, I think that for the players, I think it'll be a, a, an occasion to to enjoy as well. Like off the back of this recent form playing against top of the league I think they've just got to try and enjoy it and 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 revel in the atmosphere and yeah and and, and use it to their advantage basically to to be up and at Leicester and, and let them know that they're, they're playing the best team in the league at the moment absolutely on a cold Friday night in Leeds cold Friday night in Leeds probably rainy like it usually yeah. is uh, especially with the sky cameras um same team we're both thinking is that would be right and same yeah, I don't see any reason to change it unless, you know, later on in the week we'll find out if there's yeah, any any results. But um I don't I don't I think he said Bamford won't be no. won't be available for this game. Yeah. Um, I'd expect the same team, which isn't too bad, but a tricky one for us. Score predictions. Still three points in it. We both picked up a point. Either goal, a goal for Plymouth or a goal for Leeds would have sealed it a three pointer, but yeah, still three points in it. So I will go first, I think, this time. <laughs> I can't see us keeping another clean sheet. I really can't. And I expect a tight game, but I do think we'll win nine on the nine. on the Nine, nine on the bounce. So I'm going to go 2-1 leads. That's what I was going to go for. <laughs> um, so we'll quickly revise that, uh, just so we've got a bit of a difference. Um, do you know what? Do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when this is what happens when when you when you win so many games on the bounce you forget what it's like to lose and you just football fans are so this is this is what I think defines a football fan more than anything is that um you just forget what it's like to to lose a game, don't you, after after so long. Just like you forget to what it's like to win a game in, in the form we were in at the end of last season. Yeah. We didn't know what it was like to win a game anymore. So when no. we beat Ipswich at the start of the season, we we're like, "What is this feeling? What's this new feeling?" So <laughs> I'm going to say, "Well, I think we'll beat him. I really do think we'll beat him." So I'm going to back us. I'm going to say it'll be three <laughs> nil. Oh, here we go. Here we go. He's gone for it. He's gone for it. Come on. You made it here first. An emphatic scoreline, Ellen Road. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. And hopefully we come to you next week. Hopefully on on Monday with. Another three points, another win to make it nine wins from nine and only six points off top spot. Now, that'd be something, eh? It would be. And it's a great opportunity for us. But if we don't if we don't win, you know, we're still in a fantastic position. This is, going into the, last... this is the beauty of it now. 
I think you're com- yeah. completely right there as well. As much as we're getting carried away with it, don't get me wrong. Like we should be. Like we're in a great position. We're on a great road of form with great players. This team in general is such an exciting team and a nice team to be on board with. All the players are laughing and joking. I think they're a very likable team at the moment. Which, you know, you you've got to go far and wide to find a team. You know, Bielsa's obviously, but certainly over the last 15, 20 years, that's been as likable as as this one and and Bielsa's as well. So, yeah. Right to get carried away, but agree. Even if we're not, we've played ourselves into a brilliant position where we can, you know, drop points here and there and still be well in the midst of, of Southampton and Ipswich. Yeah, and whenever this winning run does come to an end, because it it more than likely will come to an end at some point before the end of the season. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we just win every game and we we romp the league. But um, it, it, when it does come to an end. Whatever point it comes to, then you say, right, well, we've, we've played ourselves into this position. We've got eight, 10, 12 games left now, and it, it's a it's a mini season now, and we've just got to get more points uh, or match the, the the teams around us in terms of points um, points output from from the last eight, 10, 12 yeah. games, whatever it is. And you know, we've we've, we've got ourselves into that position now. We, we're in a mini league now to to get over the line. I like that way of looking at it, mate. Or as uh, many football cliche managers have said, eight cup finals. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 13 cup finals to the end of the season. So, yeah. <laughs> but, the, you know, you compare where we were at the start of the season and, and the, the the poor start we had to, to yeah. be in the position, I think, is, is fantastic and a testament yeah. for all the hard work from the players and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, I couldn't have put it fine on myself, mate. What a nice way to end the podcast. <laughs> so we'll have uh, this out for you. Hopefully we'll we'll be getting a couple of clips. Adam has assured me that we're on to a few AI guys at Official Intelligence who will be piecing together some uh, of our best podcast clips so you can listen across your socials. You, keep, you can keep listening to this. We're not going anywhere unless you, of course, want us to um, anytime soon. And we might even be getting video back as well, so you can see our lovely faces as we're presenting as well. So you can put some faces to names. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed for three points on Friday. I hope you all have a very good week. We have been the Damned United podcast. I have been Billy Lumsden. I've been Adam Jameson. And I've done this the wrong way around again. So adios. <laughs> <laughs>